0: Hello and welcome. It's been busy times with Royal Ascot and the July Festival all coming fast and furious, but we're back and with a great summer guest for our latest episode. So settle down and enjoy George and Charlie Off the Bridal, partnered by Fid Tony Rushmer and alongside me are Newmarket trainers George Scott and Charlie Fellows. Top line, it's been a great month, hasn't it, George? Something like 22 winners on the board for the season already at 20%. Rocket Rodney's impressive listed win, and, and let's not forget that near miss at Royal Ascot. So I suppose it's only fair that we start with you, George. Things are going well.
1: Yeah, look, it ha- it has been a wonderful, wonderful season for us so far. And, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to say that out loud because it hasn't always been that way. And, you know, I've been sat here many times, you know, feeling pretty under pressure for various reasons. And not, not because of the company, but, you know, when you sit down, you do a podcast, you know, you want to be talking about positive stuff. So for me, it's a relief. It just feels so nice to go out for dinner and b- bumping into people saying well don't go to the races your friends like you know it just feels a relief and god by, by by no means reinvented the wheel or have, have achieved anything too too exciting but it has been a really fantastically positive year for everyone here at eve lodge and the cherry on top is the potential of you know another very very good horse rocket yeah so close at
0: Ascot but you must have been thrilled with how he ran that day albeit second sucks and all that you must have been thrilled with that big run in the in the in the Windsor Castle and then he's gone and won his listed race
1: comfortably at Sandown. We thought on the numbers that he was going to run in the first six at Ascot but never imagined him running quite so well I mean I think the main disappointment was that Aidan chose that race for his Colt who's they backed from threes into Odds On so probably the truth that the story is behind that and you know, I feel like if I'd kind of been a bit braver and gone for the Norfolk, the way the form's working out, he might well have won the Norfolk, but that's all water under the bridge. Yeah, I felt he improved from Ascot. I was very confident that going to Sandown, he was a better horse because he had a better preparation and I think Ascot made a man of him. So, yeah, he went to Sandown and, you know, he did what he needed to do, but it was the manner in which he, he put put the race to bed and, you know, a good time as well. So, yeah, all, all roads now lead to the Molcombe. Um, He'll be favorite for the malcom you have thought um you know he'll have a it'll be a stiffer test but I don't know I'm looking forward to where
2: Aiden didn't run the
1: winner the other day yeah. which is really strange
2: because they pulled out on ground but the ground was exactly the same I don't know where if
1: we know where that's going i mean he definitely won't go to the malcum that's all I can say you know he's obviously a horse they probably think they're going to make a stallion out of and yeah. he's not a race that he uses so is ground really important to you I would think it probably is. I mean, I worked in before Ascot when we had that bit of rain, you know, we had do you remember we were able to work on the yeah. grass into Ascot? Yeah. He's, his wheels span a little bit. So yeah, it is definitely something to keep an eye on. I mean, just talking there, like, when's this summer going to break? I've got a feeling it breaks over Goodwood. Anyway. Yeah. One, yeah. Really, really cool. And we've got another nice two year old Coco Jack who won twice in three days. And you know, he, he could go to Goodwood for the nursery or he might go to the Paterdry stakes, which is the race after the King George. So you know, that's, it's fun, it's exciting. and What's he rated now? 90. 90. You know, he won under a, a double penalty, which the system's there to, for it to be done, but people just choose not to do it so much. I don't know if any other it's two... It's not easy. It's really hard. Yeah. Well, that's the the great thing about having a bandy horse who yeah. uh, who's got some quality. Yeah, and 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 Charlie, your horse. I mean, I think he's a very very nice horse. I don't think we saw anything like the best of him on uh, Saturday. We're talking Marban here. Marban, who you alluded to again in very very early doors, didn't you, you said he was a nice horse?
2: Yes, yes. I think I think um, I think time will show that Salisbury race to be quite a good race because the second. Wasn't beaten far by the horse that got of Charlie Appleby's that got beaten ahead in the group two at Newmarket. So I think it was probably not a bad form. And Shane felt that Marban didn't do a stroke when he hit the front, just was waiting for some company. But it was very nice to see him win under a penalty because, again, it's not, especially in, in open company like that, it's not easy at all. Okay. He was giving seven pounds to the whole of the field. So
1: Goodwood as well? Possibly, quite possibly. I think that vintage is gonna be the best two odd race of the, of the week. There's some cracking maiden winners and yeah. you know, like Johnson's got about six, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean he took me to pieces and Dornut Castle. Doornock Castle. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. And then, but there's there's what about there's some other options as well, I suppose, if you didn't want to go straight into a vintage.
2: There's actually group three in France that he could go to if I'd wanted to dodge I don't know. I'll see. See how he comes out of it. He's, he's a nice horse. It's nice to have a good two-year-old. Overall,
0: all, your summaries are always entertaining, Charlie, shall we say, because you don't pull your punches. How are you with regard to the Bedford House season so far? It's, it's rolling along. It's OK. Because last time you were not happy with it, but the winners are ticking over.
1: You were smidging off a of Royal Ascot. Um,
0: yeah, you were so close to a Royal Ascot
2: winner. To be honest, still not happy. No, we've had very few runners. I've got a lot of soft ground horses that just can't run at the moment. I've um, I hate using unlucky year, but because you make your own luck. But we've just, we have had a f- brutally unlucky year, and a lot of things just not, not gone our way. Beautifully summed up by that horse, who decided with. 10 yards to go that he'd throw the race away, which was pretty frustrating because you come away from Royal Ascot with a group two winner and then a few other placings and you're like, we've had a really good Ascot. And, you know, he finished second. A few others ran really, really well, but again, possibly on the wrong side. Chief of Chiefs in in the Buckingham Palace was drawn on the stand side and went all the way over to the far side, but just couldn't get there. Fresh Hope ran really well as well, so... They ran great, but it's just hitting the post at the moment, which is really frustrating. And we've we've lost some really nice horses as well. Our poor old Edge Talab the other day was I mean, this just sums up my season. He got an in, he got an infection in his foot, which somehow managed to get into his coffin joint and his navicular bursa. Anyway, we got him straight up to the hospital, had an operation straight away, got a call from the surgeon that evening. Couldn't have gone any better. There was a really small amount in there. We're confident we've cleaned the whole thing out and that he's going to need strong course of antibiotics And um, but he'll be back going in pretty, you know, relatively quickly. He'll be back in the autumn. Anyway, phone goes 8 o'clock Sunday morning, NEH, and you know that is not good news. And a poor old boy had had a heart attack overnight and they found him dead in his stable in the morning. And it turns out in the post-mortem, he'd actually had a weakness in his heart that could have gone any time, could have gone at the races, could have gone in training, could have gone any time. And it was, they think that his blood pressure had risen because he, of the stress of going up to hospital and having an operation and that he'd, it had just ruptured. And, you know, I mean, thank God it didn't happen at a racetrack with a rider on board, but. You know, he was a horse that never got to show his true ability because he was a soft ground horse. He handled quick ground, but he was a completely different animal on soft ground. He ran a huge race in the Buckingham Palace, was only beaten about four lengths. On ground, he would have hated, and he had a massive race in him. And I just, it was cruel, really cruel.
0: Isn't that a reminder that this sport, which we all love, does, God, it can be so cruel sometimes, can't it? And give you a kick in the gut just, and it hurts.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the day to day, as day to day as a trainer, is a long way away from turning up to the races and putting a saddle on. You know, it's full of disappointment. Horses running badly, horses getting injuries, horses fatally getting injured, or you know, you wh- get a call like that. The the, the horse's anatomy, I always forget, it's just so monumentally big. There are just millions of tiny little things that can go that can go wrong, and often do go wrong, and it is it's painful at times. It really is. You know, you get attached to these horses, you know, you see them every day.
2: Oh, I kept calling the owner up that morning was... We'd taken a few knocks anyway. And calling him up on Sunday morning was really, really difficult. I'm happy to admit that I didn't manage to hold it together. Yeah, that was... It was a brutal day and that came just after Royal Ascot so we've taken a few knocks but there's a long way left to go we've got a very exciting two year old on our hands I think there's more two year olds to come as well so the future's bright but we, yeah, it's not been an easy first half of this year but we've had a very good few years and you maybe you get complacent and you forget um, quite
1: how brutal this game can be at times. Well, you sat looking at me for three years, surely you must have remembered <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's time now for our guest. Like Scott and Fellows, he's one of the town's younger trainers and he's having a great season. Royal Ascot success and a very first classic victory thanks to 1,000 guineas heroine cachet. 2022 is turning into a very special year for you, George Bowie. But first, before we actually dissect that year and hopefully a whole lot more, The two Georges, you've been cricketing, haven't you? What's been going on there? George, you are involved with the Newmarket Racing Cricket 11 or something? You were in action this weekend. How
1: did that go, win, lose or draw? Well, uh, inevitably, we lost to Newmarket Town. But, um, no, uh, welcome George Bowie, who was uh, a self-appointed uh, vice-captain yesterday. <laughs> Thanks no, for having me. Yeah, no, it was good fun. We It's sort of a, a yearly event. Where were you, actually? You're normally there chirping a load of bollocks on the sidelines. So I wasn't. I had a christening yesterday, but I've had a full in-depth report.
2: I hear, I hear, you're going to be able to verify this, that he literally did everything. Like, came out, opened the bowling, opened the batting fielded pretty
1: much where everyone was like a proper Hitler. We've had Chrisford on the on the WhatsApp group really turned, turning on me this morning saying that I bowled too much, batted one. Did you open you the did batting? I bowled for half the innings. Did ball. you? Well, I bowled. Th- I, I bowled my spell. Round. I bowled it's tight round. and I bowled six overs in a row. Did you open the batting? <laughs> what a <I> batted one? <laughs> batted one and actually How many do- runs. I don't know. Actually, batted that with means George. He got very little. George, George came in and uh, there were cries from the from the fielders that someone out of Westlife, backwards cap, t shirt <laughs> rolled up, came strolling <laughs> in. Anyway, absolutely clocked it over mid wicket three balls in. He did last year as well. And then reverse sweep their fastest bowler off middle stump for four did you boys make runs then is that what
3: George you made a few didn't you yeah we, uh, Nick Bell was top scorer but um...
2: apparently Nick. someone told Nick Bell he was on 48 and he probably got straight out yeah next ball <laughs> <back>. yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> no to take the pressure yeah. it was good for our personal highlight was getting a getting a picture with Sir Michael Stout Oh, straight in picture, Gov. Oh, rolled his eyes. Yeah, what, was the ca-
0: what was the caption? Something like six Derby wins between us. Sir yeah. Michael hashtag. Yeah, so um, it was
1: Sir Michael, George, Christopher, Nick, Ball, and myself, and six. Yeah, he's obviously trained six Derby winners, and I, I added a ladies Derby, but I forgot to mention that. <laughs> so who are the stars of this cricket team then? T- tell Sadly, us a bit more. Bowie. Bowie was pretty tight there in batting, and Harry Eustace for cameo. Really? He's everywhere today. Yeah, he's he in the good. Racing Post, and That's he's. Good. So no it's good, but anyway listen we haven't we haven't brought George in to um to talk about his cricketing skills. um I'm going to wind right back to the start where George and I met ten eleven years ago yeah, yeah. and yeah. um George, I was the assistant training to Michael Bell at the time, sort of proudly sort of thinking I was something <laughs> the fella's shaking his head and George came into the office and um, we got talking. I remember the conversation well, and it was you thinking about leaving university and taking up a career in in racing i think i got bolted up long hill by strong vigilance on my first first morning there
3: with you but um no it was great and i i think i started in the bloodstock side first and then you know came back from australia to hugo palmers but did you leave uni early you didn't see yeah, your... i didn't quite make it through didn't you <laughs> what did you study business management and agriculture okay how many years did you get through? Well, one and a half, maybe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you um, literally did the easiest year and then packed it in when yeah, the got,
3: got, got packed up. to... No, I, I failed the first year, so it was a complete. You disaster. failed the first year at Newcastle. Yeah, well,
1: were any well, one of those people that, that didn't tell their parents they failed the first year?
3: No, I think I told them that. I don't. I don't think my A level results got told for quite a while, but. Um, yeah, university, then Luke Lillingston actually sent me to Australia to Gay Waterhouses, which was great. It was a good grounding. And
1: Gay, um, um, tell us a bit about that, because...
3: Well, she's just an amazing woman, and I've actually recently got to know her sort of a bit more, having not seen her for about 10 years. So she's got a horse for me now, which is probably going to run at Goodwood, and she's just an amazing operator and yards all over the country and interstate, and you know, she had Piero more joyous you know, some fantastic, champ- like complete champions all at the same time, over each one, the slipper, and so it was great. I think we had seven or eight Group 1 winners in the, you know, I was only there six or seven months or something, and it was, you know, she was just so dominant, and, um, yeah, she was great. I think, you know, her ability to train all types of horses, slipper winners, Melbourne Cup winner of the year I was there, it's just, you know, it was a pleasure to be around, really.
0: Did you go over there
3: raw, or did you had you worked in
0: yards beforehand?
3: I hadn't had some- really, no, I was pretty pretty green and pretty green when i came back i think still but um no it was great it was uh it was a good good learning curve anyway what was it like as a life lesson because i'm assuming you hadn't
0: been away out of the country for that length of time and presumably you didn't know too many folk over there
3: i think it was the work that they put into you out there you know i was up at charlie Udon in australia it's just stupid hours isn't it i was up at sort of 2 30 in the morning and it was it was great but you know you learn fast so you came back and worked f- from gays straight into a new market yard or uh, yeah straight to you well not quite straight a couple of months but trying to find a job was that
1: was the remember. point where we linked up again yeah again remember striding up warren hill and chatting away you know where you want to go and at that point hugo had how far in was he george at that I point think he had about 35 horses then um but it was the year i remember hugo sat me down and he was going
3: through as he does with all his plans of which one's going to be the next champion and you know it was the year of activante and you know, he was an expensive yearling for Mr. Archie, and, you know, he said he's going to be a group horse. I think it was December. I don't know how we'd work that out, but... He was right,
1: to be he fair. Was right. he, he was right. It was his first... Solerier. Salaria, yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. Whisker, Ryan Moore. From yeah. um,
1: um, that horse of Scott Dixon's, wasn't it? Miss the... Cock of the North. Cock of the North,
3: yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was great, and I think within two years, he had 150 horses or something, and, you know, it
1: was Covert Love, Galileo Gold, all the way through, really, so... And it was a great time to be involved in the stable, as you say, it was a it was a massive transition, a massive override of horses, and it ended up you um coming down onto the Hamilton Road and running his two-rod barn for him, which uh was probably a great learning curve. Um, not only because you've ended up training this side of town, but also, you know, having full, almost full responsibility.
3: Yeah, it was great. You know, Hugo was very, very good to me and it was like training myself for a couple of years. You know, obviously he was there and Angie Shea his assistant but yeah it gave it gave me a sort of bit of a, a free rein to I don't think we made too many mistakes but to actually make some decisions and you know when we started I think we had 50 horses down there but when I started we had three so it was, it was sort of taking a massive step back and then when I moved into Saffron we had 50 boxes there so it was kind of I just rolled on with what we did at Hugo's really and it was a good couple of years that
1: and then we, obviously, we were a close group of friends all sort of setting up at the same time. And I remember some of the best times was, was when you, you started out. And, you, you know, you've proven over the last, over, since you started training, that, you know, sourcing horses sourcing horses has probably been one of your biggest it's attributes. the first time I've ever seen you bring a set of notes into a podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just looking at your paper, you've never done recent, like, background sort of work like that
1: before. It's well, true. Trying to bring some for, form of structure to <laughs> it. <right. laughs> some form of professionalism. I've given up sending you notes because <laughs> well, you have not read do bloody read them. Bloody I couldn't up up tell you the last I'm time I read of any notes. of your notes, Tony. But anyway, back to, yeah, back to that. So those early days were very special weren't they you know we were all involved in them and you started off you know you, it was life wasn't perfect to begin with for you you went down into the into the barn on, another barn onto the Hamilton Road and you probably learnt more in those few months than you have you know since you know since you started training. So yeah,
3: I'd, I'd say so it was um I think we started with three horses initially one out of a selling hurdle at um, Newton Abbott one out of a claimer at Wolverhampton and uh, three C's who Sam Haggis bought privately and yeah, it, it was a bit of a disaster early doors. You know, we had a bunch of horses finishing second, hardly had a winner, and we did move it was actually you, George, again, who you were moving down here and it was the perfect sort of switch over. And I think I was down there for what was it, June to December. And it was fine. it was fine. But um yeah, moving into the ringers, yard, that was a real transformation. We did an episode. It was
0: in July yeah 2019 and George said I'd just like to send best of luck to my pal George Bowie who's starting out and I'm thinking three years ago and things have gone to put it mildly well in your wildest dreams could you imagine that kind
3: of things that have taken off from like you say a quietest sort of start to suddenly woof no absolutely not no I think I mean you know I tried to have 10 winners in the first year then it was 20 and yeah I think it was just trying to get a better type of horse but we were training selling platers like
1: from those horses that you've, that you know, that you bought early doors, claimers, sourced by Sam. I mean, Sam Haggis has been a huge um, part of your team. That's led on to, you know, Mystery Angel was probably your first flagship horse. It's well documented that you know you're you're a good team there with Sam Haggis. And ha- how does that work?
3: Well, Sam, he's been a great mate for 15 years, maybe. Did you know each other before you yeah. started working in racing? Yeah. At what through school? Just sort of at the end of school. But yeah, he's. I think he had less clients than I did when I started and I literally had none but it's I kind of backed him and you know he's very bright guy and I think you know he worked for Paddy Power as a trader and all sorts of things Rob Waterhouse in Australia and you know he's worked with some very very bright people and a lot of what we do is at the sales is mathematics really on his numbers and that sort of thing but I think we got it wrong at the start we were buying the horses that he said were absolute naps, and you go and look at them, and they were terrible animals. You know, they just couldn't. And we bought them, and they were no good. But actually, it's kind of changed, and now I don't even look at the catalogue anymore. He does the catalogue, and then I just go and look at the physicals and just say which ones you want to buy, and it's it works very well. And like, you know, we're now able to buy a better type of horse. I think we bought eight or nine horses last week and got sent a couple, but to order. So it makes his job easier because there's so many horses that were going through, and I was like, ah. You know, if we could get anyone to buy them, whereas I just used to buy them all on spec and then have to sell them and didn't sell them. And, you know, it was just... Tats were very good to me there. But, yeah, he's he's a bright boy.
1: I like the story particularly about Mr. Cut because... Mr. Cut was obviously a, from the Shadwell draft, unraced, expensive yearling. Obviously, went there from from a, his previous trainer with a an old issue, and Haggy signed the, the the paper. But it's funny talking to him about it, and just shows the way that you guys you know work. He took you to see the horse. He said you pulled the horse out. Three strides, he lit the horse walked out and you turned off and walked away. And Haggy was like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm buying that horse. No matter what happens, I'm buying that horse. Get it back, you were thinking, get it back in the box before someone else sees it. You know, and that's probably where you compliment each other. He took you to the horse and then you saw him as a physical.
3: And, and you know, like we had, fortunately we had two Royal Ascot winners this year and one of them was that horse, obviously an unraced horse, that I I literally just, it was me and David Simcock going up in thousands in the ring and I just went, um, wound it up to 40, and he was like, I'd have probably paid quite a bit more. He For me, he was just a knockout. We bought a lot of Shadwell horses because, you know, they're, I know he wasn't a Shadwell bred, but he was a very expensive horse, good pedigree, see the stars, mare. You know, there's there was going to be a story out of there, and there are loads of others. You know, you've had winners out of it, lots of people have had lots of success, but, you know, on the flip side, we bought Inver Park, who won the Buckingham Palace. And oh, we never saw the horse. I mean, Sam came around for lunch at mine, put the computer out, and we just bought it online. You know, that was just totally him. And he said, this will win the Buckingham Palace at Asker And I was like, shut up, you know, get out. Anyway, I, I wanted to pay 20 grand for it, and he just kept clicking the button, kept clicking. He was like, you're not, not buying this horse. Anyway, it's proved that he was more than right. I think he's gone up 25 pounds or something this year, and amazingly, we got, be- got him beat at Southall. International next? Uh, I think he's going to go to Goodwood Shrews for Cup. the Seward's Cup. Yeah. Really? Well, I'm slightly giving it away here. I, I hope Air to Air might win the international. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, I think I I know he stayed well at Ascot, but I think the speed they go at Goodwood and you can it can suit a real closer there, and it's one hundred and sixty grand rather than sixty and. You know, he's a horse who, uh, yeah, we might get a bit of rain at Goodwood, I, f- I think. Oh, I'm dreading it, I know, I, I I'm think literally, it, I bet it, it can't it. be like this for the whole So su- We had and you know, Craven, Fast, Guinea's Fast, Ascot, Fast, Chester, one day of rain. It's got to rain at some point, I it?
1: agree, I'm, t- I'm absolutely dreading it raining, actually, at, at uh, Goodwood.
0: We've got this far chatting, and just alluded to it there, Craven, the guineas meeting we haven't yet mentioned Cache, which i know my son when he heard that george was coming wanted to hear all about he loves that philly so just tell us about the adrenaline ride that that philly has given you especially in her three-year-old campaign i know she was a very smart two-year-old too but this season has far exceeded
3: expectations surely yeah it has and i think you know there's it was widely spoken that she was a non-stayer wouldn't train on over raced at two you know every person in the press was saying that but for me she was weak as a kitten at two and is a massive impro- improver. You know, she physically put on a load of weight and however it's a bit of a cliche thing, everyone says that. But she's so tough and loves Newmarket, loves the rolling market. When she first worked up there, I remember sending the video to Harry and it was a bit like, this this might be all right here and it was only ten days after the breeze and um she obviously then went and bolted up in her maiden there, and that day, you know, she ran a good time, went forward, flicked through the dip, and you know, for me, I was thinking at the time, sort of Chivley Park, so that sort of thing, but or hoping we'd get that far, and she did just go a bit weak, and she couldn't see out her races. I think, yeah, you know, I was delighted that she ran so well in the Breeders' Cup, but she probably should have won. You know, I think we went very fast and it suited the horses that came way out the back at Delmar that never happens you know the speed holds up there and but yeah into this year the you know Nell Gwyn was it was a proper performance and William Buick had been riding her at home and he was like I wouldn't swap her for any other horse you know and obviously rides a lot of very good horses at Charlie's and um yeah she was very good there and I, I did fancy her on the day you know we were going to get quick ground if we stole a march on them, I thought she'd be quite hard to pay back, and um, you don't believe that it's going to happen. But I thought she'd run third or fourth or something. And um, I, I, I also think like she was well placed to win the inning, She's not the best filly of her generation. I'm a realist, not a dreamer. But I think they might have left her alone a bit. He went in a good gallop, but they probably just thought she's not going to stay. We'll close her down late. And it was a absolute peach from Doyle. Like you know, to the she knows every blade of grass there, and she was just clear and gone. And you know, you can't do it in Newmarket. We've all had winners there when they possibly shouldn't, because you just get loose. And um,
1: there's that moment when we were all kind of thinking, like she's that she's not coming back. Yeah, you're just looking for something, and there's nothing. And then.
0: Yeah. I bet he wasn't thinking that as Prosperous Voyage loomed up in oh, those last 100 oh yards. It must
3: have lasted a lifetime, those last few that seconds of strides. That was a long, long furlong. <laughs> What's the plan now? She's at Fitix Stud at the moment. Yeah. A couple heard. of weeks. I think we'll come back here it is in September and then where well, she could be a foray. I want to go to the Breeders' Cup. That's been the plan since since the last one. You know, I think...
2: So Falmouth.
3: No, Falmouth. Sorry, I um, mean, um, she um, Sun Chariot. Sun Chariot she takes her racing very well and like the Sun Chariot were you not walk. tempted by
2: the Falmouth
3: or did you just think that it's uh, a race too many you've raced too many I think yeah yeah. and and also she had a break in July last year Yeah, it was a bit later but she looked amazing at the Breeders' Cup and I think she'll do that again she looks great now but you can't go if I had 20 of them I'd just keep running her but you know she could run 7 times this year 6 of them in Group 1s on in 3 different countries and yeah, I mean the Breeders' Cup is the is the aim. So she'll There's be
2: Sun Chariot,
3: maybe foray, could be foray, and then Breeders' she, Cup. Bottomless w- ground. Busy. Where are you? You yeah. know, she was over six furlongs in the Albany, ran a blinder, but got beat a few lengths on heavy ground. You remember that day? It was just bottomless. So nearly
1: rained off. Geez. They said, "Oh, racing goes ahead." I know, ask her, racing goes ahead. Yeah. But uh, that that would be really interesting seeing her back at seven, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, I think I really think interesting. So. And you you just let her rip and go. If if it was good to soft ground, I think she'd be fine. And yeah. there you can just get loose and...
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a
0: great track for that. Um, but, it, yeah. Is Foray your... If
3: you think in the way that...
0: You, Nell wins 7, Guinea's Mile, Foray 7, Breeders' Cup, do you almost think that you may send her there rather than Sun Chariot, which is a mile, isn't it?
3: Yeah, they're quite close together as well, I think. Yeah, It's almost like are. a week apart, but... Um, so it'd be one, yeah, it, yeah, probably, but
1: Paws loves going twice in a week. It doesn't matter how good they are, <laughs> <laughs> it loves backing one up.
3: I just uh, think no. with
1: her, George, for me, like she's just the epitome of the way you train your horses. You know, she, she, you know, when you match horses up, you know, Charlie, you have those wonderful stairs that stay with you for a long time, and like Cachet, just like when you see her, she looks like you know each trainer has a, like how their horse is. Like. She just looks like a George Bowie filly, and she's just you know you you train them forward and she just for me it's just sums up everything about your training she's courageous tough runs back and kept improving but I know you're not a new market born and bred but it felt like it didn't it I mean as a new market trainer to win a new market classic we certainly celebrated like it you know like it was um it's
3: it's one of those things you know obviously winning a group one's everyone's dream but you know you could win one in germany on a sunday and you're flying back you know we the fact that we could literally just roll home all my family were there all mates everyone hamish Macaulay bought half of majestic and it was piled into the house and there must have been a couple hundred people through the house that evening i'd say until it finally it was just nice down. to
1: stop and 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 celebrate it as you yeah. say there's always the, like with racing there's always the next day and it really felt at that moment that we're all of our closest friends and your family were there, and we just stopped. And, uh, you know, I was driving, but I could, just couldn't have enjoyed it more. We just appreciated it. One of our best mates winning a guineas. And, you know, I'm, I know when, when we win those types of races, you know, further down the line, it'll be the same, or when the Christfords and the Fergusons and all that lot. But it was just, it just felt like a bit of a a moment in time, didn't it? We've done it all together for so long, but... yeah. Anyway, so we covered Caché. This is just this very, 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 very exciting horse, obviously, to talk about, Mr Cut, who, again, you know, we talked about briefly how you bought him, and he absolutely took the took the um, Royal Ascot handicap to pieces and, you know, is bred and was bought to be, a, you know, to be a very good horse and looks like one day he'll hopefully be good enough to stand to stand in America, you know, like as pedigree suggests, and where where are you at with him? I mean, if you talk about horses catching pigeons in the mornings, I mean, this horse, I've never heard people talk like what he's been doing recently, so what what's the plan for him?
3: He's a very impressive workhorse, and, and he's, his work was, before asking, it was it was very good, and, you know, it was kind of on the heart rate monitors and everything like that, it was very similar to Cachet's and everyone was saying he's got to go a mile and a half and that sort of thing, and for me, I'd rather run him in the Britannia, And you know he's he was a better time than the Group Three for three-year-olds, and he's going to go to Newbury next week. And I think I I it'll take a pretty good one to beat him. I think, and he's going to get fast ground. He's bred for fast ground. He's America through and through, really. And yeah, he might end up out there someday.
1: Like if if everything you started ticking boxes, where will he end up by the end of the year?
3: Well, there's not probably a race for him at the Breeders' Cup. You know, so Lane and Zen started own half him now. So it's, you know, the plan is to probably end up out there at some point. And if he's if he's good enough to do it in England, they want him to be here. But the backup is to go there. And and he's his work on the all weather, I think, is actually better than the turf. And you know, he could be a he could be a horse that goes to Dubai in the winter. Um, I can't remember what the race is, but there's like a there's a Group Three early doors in January that on the dirt. And I'd love to try him on the dirt and see if he could be a Saudi horse or come back to Dubai and I know he's a big brute of a thing you know I took our schooler out to Saudi and it was an embarrassment really she was 400 kilos taking on these monsters of bafferts and Pletchers and that sort of thing whereas he's one of those you know he's huge great horse and and a real athlete with it so
1: yeah and that, just quickly touching on William, I mean that he's that's been a great link up for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's great. Look, I mean, I
3: he's not stable jockey, but you know because obviously he rides all the Charlie's, but Charlie doesn't have runners every day, whereas we have runners most days, so it kind of works. And he comes in, he doesn't come in that much, but for a, you know he rode Mister Cut the other day, and he comes in when it's sort of important. There's no point overdoing him, but yeah, look, he's he's a for me, he's the best rider in the country, I, I think, at the moment. Him and Yeah, there's a few others, but he's probably going to be, unless something goes wrong, he's going to be champion jockey. He's 26 clear or something already. I mean, you know, usually the championship starts at Goodwood. I mean, they think it'll be over at Goodwood.
0: And for our listeners, we always ask our guests if their train is a horse or two to sort of keep an eye on over the second half of the season. What what, what would you suggest,
3: uh, maybe a two-year-old or two, that you're quite excited about? A nice two-year-old win the other day, Kinta. She's two from two. She looks pretty smart, yeah. She won at Kempton. She's in the Lowther. She might go to the Papa in France if we supplement her, but her work was very good before she won, and, and she won very well. So
0: on a juvenile colt?
3: the horse called Star Shot for the Nearpuses. He's a nice horse, acclimation, runs a couple of weeks' time. Looks smart, I hope. We'll see. Good pedigree.
0: I must just say, for three years in training, do you do you get those moments where you want to pinch yourself and say, blimey, when's this all going to just change direction for me and go a little bit
3: south? I mean, in your five-year plan, you must be well ahead. Yeah, we're well well ahead of that. I thought I'd be delighted to have 40 horses and ticking away and, st- and still in business, you know, that's the main thing. We all know, the three of us around here, how, you know, we've had a lot of winners and we've all got plenty of horses in our yards, but it's, it's tricky and... um yeah, I think it was trying to stay afloat at the start and then, you know, we started getting better horses and you want to, you know, you up what you want to do. But, yeah, it's not as easy as some of the other countries that friends of ours train in to make, to make it work, so...
1: Good. Well, listen, you, thanks a million for, for dropping in and uh, I wish you, wish you the best of luck for the rest of the year.
3: Thanks, mate
0: so that was george bowie great to have our guest in interesting stuff there from george um that we can reflect on he's done ever so well hasn't he george bowie i know he's your mate scotty so i'll let you sum up
1: no extraordinary it's nice to have him on i think you know sometimes you just see i wanted to get him on so people could get a little bit more of an idea about him because he's, he's just a really 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 good guy and show us that you do actually do some homework for these
0: podcasts, because that, as Charlie pointed out, is quite remarkable. The amount of thought and effort you've put into—he's filled a sheet of A4 with handwritten notes for those Slightly that can't see. exaggeration. Anyway, just a couple of things before we wind up. Podcast syndicate horses have been a big success in the last couple of years. This year, it's fair to say they're taking a little bit more time. The two-year-olds—how
2: are they now, and what's the what's the current state of play, Charlie? Yeah it's it's not been quite so whiz bang as it has been the last couple of years but like this uh, it's not sales chat I promise you it's not sales chat I couldn't be happier with my filly she's just had a really unlucky start to life in training but she has just started cantering which is great she looks fantastic she's a big girl she's but she's a really big strong attractive filly she's been very straightforward she just has had a few niggles annoying two-year-old niggles that have just prevented me from really kicking on with her but hopefully they are well behind her now and if I get a clear run we'll be in business in early autumn or so.
1: Yeah My horse Zeppelin again he's just been immature you know he had some open growth plates in his knees which means his knees weren't fully matured don't know why i'm looking at my knees um and chicken legs yeah yeah i got a few niggling juvenile in, I- issues so he's he's training away but we're not able to move into faster work i'm adamant he's a that wants wants cut in the ground and the autumn will be his time but there's plenty to look forward to with both of them as you say slightly spoiled in our last two years having had charlie fellows the horse and eve lodge um but that's not to say that we're downbeat on this at all it just hasn't happened quite as quick
0: yeah, I'm sure it will click into place when the horses come where you want them to be. Talking about horses ready to roll, what have we got to run in the next few weeks, month, before we reconvene here, possibly in August?
1: You know your season's going well when you get Jack the Truth to win at the age of eight, you know. I mean, you know, so- someone's looking down on me. I thought he okay. was gone, yeah, and he he probably put in a career best. I mean, he'd probably have a little bit of a spell through the on this fast ground, small fields, But he's certainly not necessarily a horse that I'd be sort of saying to back. But, yeah, I mean, those two two two-year-olds, you know, Rocket Rodney and Coco Jack, to me, look like horses that should continue to win races and step up. Charlie? I am going to give
2: two two two-year-olds, hopefully, which shows you that I feel the future is bright. Two two two-year-olds that have already run, both made really nice debuts. Number one is Shabazz. Who is a free eagle? Who ran fourth on debut in a really hot maiden at Yarmouth? Godolphin had two in there, and Gosden had one in there, and I think the two Godolphin horses won three times already between them. And we were with them; the four pulled a long way clear. He needs cut in the ground, which is why he hasn't run since. Uh, he's so unbelievably straightforward, which just makes my life heaven. He could go to Newcastle next weekend for a. B, C, D, restricted race. And I think he could be a really fun horse in the second half of the year, especially when the ground goes softer. And the second one is a filly called Cloudbreaker who ran at Newbury on debut. She's by See the Stars. She had a shocking draw that day. She was drawn one of, I can't remember how many, 14, 15 and it was one of those days where they all came over to the stand side so she was literally drawn out in the sodding middle, got no cover, ran fine, finished fifth but I hadn't done a massive amount with her before that and she looks to me like she has improved quite considerably for that run. She's got entries at the end of this week so she could run and I wouldn't be worried about quick ground with her so... I think she's all right. So two two potentially really nice two-year-olds again for the second half of the year.
0: So that's us done. Thank you to our friends, Fitstairs, great long-term supporters of this podcast. We'll be back for another episode in August. The last thanks, I promise, is to our ace producer, Carl Homer of Cambridge TV. We hope you've all enjoyed listening. Follow us on Twitter, at Bridal Podcast and make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode because let's be honest we're not that great at telling you when we're coming but we hope you enjoy our podcast and continue to tune in thanks and goodbye